So I wanted to start this off as kind of like um, a broadcasting of intent, first of all. And the second part of that would be about how dangerous the mindset is of not only a priest, but things that also correlate to being priestly and taking that specific oath that goes against a specific moral code that most people are, are raised with. And um, I think the billions of dollars that have gone into the priesthood uh, and been exported as hush money is another aspect. Like when you take a look at the occult renaissance of Rome, uh, that's a really good book. And the Rite of Sodomy, that is another amazing book. There's actually five different versions of that book. Um, definitely check that out. I know that the second one is free online, uh, if you can download the PDF of it, looking it up on Google, or um, DuckDuckGo, as you should go, because they don't actually try and harvest your data and sell it. Um, but those are two main key aspects of it. Um, I know that there's a lot of stuff that is uh, highly regarded, and people take it literally, and they don't really understand the definition of semiotics, the symbolic language of the way that people talk. Um, there's a podcast by Keepers of the Word with Lon Milo Duquette, and he talks all about Aleister Crowley and how he's actually referring to sex magic. He did not actually sacrifice any children. And the same semiotic code was actually used in a book called... Uh, I think it was Dragon Rouge... Uh, it was originally in French, I believe, and um, they actually mentioned about uh, buying a virgin, dressing them up in this specific attire, and then slitting the throat and then changing that, but I understand that as a semiotic code because whenever they refer to a type of sacrifice, it is actually referring to sex magic, so that is creating that same type of effect. Uh, but not essentially doing the exact things. It even says at the beginning of the book, follow these instructions exactly. And um, all of the people that have been initiated and have gone through this process know that as soon as they mention danger or they mention anything of the sort, then that is the time that you need to actually like do the semiotic deconstruction of what they're saying exactly. Like, essentially, every single time that you would read a passage in the Bible, as soon as they start to mention violence, then that's when you know that you can actually deconstruct it. Which is not only interesting, but it also has a plausible factor of it being more of a riddle than it would be a metaphor or an allegory. It could have a deeper meaning, but they don't understand the symbolic nature of it, which is semiotics in a nutshell. So when people write things in this type of nature and the way that they interpret these things is far different than the way that you would interpret something normally. It's because it's not me telling you the truth. It's just me giving you all of these different examples until you come up with your own version of what you believe the truth to be. So this conundrum is all your own if you take it on. But at the end of the day, this is going to be something far more substantial than anything that you would have come into contact with 
within the last 24 hours based on not only the research that I've done, but how all of these things all come into play, knowing that there is a theology to philosophy, there is a neurology to psychology. So everything has to have its balance. It all has to have a substantial basis. And when you're looking at things that are using not only pedophilia and rape as a tool in something that they truly misinterpreted along with human sacrifice all of those all of those things are grossly misinterpreted and creating cults out of something that should not exist say a freemason goes through all of their chairs until they end up being head of the lodge that is when they can actually create a cult out of the entire lodge because nobody can disobey him at that point and this is the way that people infiltrate cults within different types of specific orders and it's the most dangerous thing in the world because they're harming good people doing something that they say is right but is actually wrong and this goes on forever I could I could literally name names and go through the whole thing but I'm not going to do that mainly because I believe that every dog has its day and no matter how you go out in this world there's no shame in dying because death is a part of life you know as long as you died for the right purpose and I believe that we all have a day every dog has his day and I truly believe in that and I think the main thing for me is understanding that if I died for a just cause like I could have 10 years ago Defending a girl that I didn't even know. 12 against 1. It was a medical miracle. They told me I'd never walk again. I walked out of the hospital within 7 days. I had surgeons, nurses, everybody asking me how you survived. I said, good karma. And I truly believe in that. Because even now, today, at this very day, no matter the circumstances that will come upon me, I know that I'm going to fight tooth and nail to be able to make sure that I'm fighting for the right reason. And if I didn't believe that I should be here, I would have been gone a long time ago. I'll promise you that. And I'm a lover of people. I'm pretty antisocial, but I, I do love people. Especially making good connections and talking with the right people. And knowing who is knowledgeable about something, who I should ask. Because for the most part, I was always that go-to person. People would come to me and ask me for advice. And, <laughs> you know, I was just a kid. But... I was wise beyond my years for the longest time. I know I like to be honest about these things. Well, more modest than honest. Because um, if I was truly honest, I think that would kind of border along um, narcissism. And I'm not really down with that type of thing. Like, that shit is not my fly zone. I'll tell you that. Um... Narcissistic awareness, narcissistic personality disorder. You definitely have to look that up. Uh, you might know a few. You might be related to a few. Once you know, those are the types of people that you want to cut off. So, just a heads up. But um, beyond that, I think... Um, I might want to close this off so then I'd be able to kind of cap it. And people would be able to take this and understand it, interpret it in a way that most people never can unless they have it 
brought into this type of light, right? So. Um, for the most part, at the end of the day, I think that the trials and tribulations are the biggest thing that can build character. They say that it's cold showers. They say that it's rough beatings. They say that it's, you know, knocking you around until you're rough around the edges type of thing. Which is fine and everything, but it's not what builds a man. What builds a man comes from your heart, comes from your core, where you truly believe that all intentions lie. You know, where your ancestors are living through you. I think that's the biggest part, the biggest factor. Without that, who is truly alive and who is truly dead? Maybe we'll never know. But the only thing that we have is the proof that's within the pudding. You can't say something and not provide the source, not provide the facts. Unless they're truly just lazy and they don't want to do the research for themselves and you can give it to them. Sometimes the proof is in the pudding only when you know what is coming. Anybody can make a broad statement, a broad claim, you know. But the person that proves it, oh man, you better watch out. Because that person is not only dangerous, but that person is efficient. <laughs>